Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. Uh, I'm joined today, and I'm joined as always by someone who, who at one time went by the name of uh, Dramgalf and mm-hmm. is occasionally known as Jason Three Names. I used to call him the White Walker, but I, I don't know. I was talking with Elijah the other day, and he said, ah, he's just plain old Jason. So, uh, so I'm joined by plain old Jason today. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Elijah. Plain old Jason. Here He's we are. just plain old Jason. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about this yesterday because, not that I'm on social media, but some of my social media handles are simply Johnston Yellen. And I thought somebody yeah. could look at that and think John, first name, Stone, middle name, Yellen, last name. But then I've still got Jason in front of all of that. Well, you know, the reason why it came up is uh, Elijah and I were talking uh, about the socials and talking about whiskey and blah, blah, blah. And and it came up that someone has an Instagram handle that is Dramgalf, and it's not you. And, and, <laughs> and he said... It's definitely not me. He said, wait, if, if Dramgalf isn't Jason, then what's Jason's... Uh, Instagram handle, which of course you're never on there, so no one really knows. And I said, ah, it's just Johnston yelling. He's like, ah, it's just plain old Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Should I change Johnston yelling to just plain old Jason? Just plain old Jason. I would do that. And then continue to not use the socials. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did, you know, I. I do get notifications and mm. sometimes I'll follow them and, and sometimes I won't. But I saw notifications from Backwoods Distilling Company. Uh, yes. And given the week we've just enjoyed with that release, when they when they posted and, and they were posting their excitement and their exuberance uh, around entering the American market for the very first time, mm. Uh, I went on and I read the post, and it was a very, very kind post. And, and really, it, it, it talked very nicely about Lee reaching out to you and me, um, where he, he was already a, a listener of the podcast and a supporter mm-hmm. of the podcast. And we just liked each other. It was yeah. just that simple. Yeah, we just, just enjoyed each other. Yep. And so, yeah. to, so to see that excitement and to see... You know where things went, getting to meet Bree as well, and and then going on to make a selection and having further stories to tell mm. with Backwoods. I just thought it was it was really special. It was really nice to see, and so I went on and I just posted a little comment, essentially letting them know that their their last bottle from that release had sold out just in the afternoon, right? Uh, before they'd gone ahead and even made their their Instagram post. And so, I, uh, yeah, so number one, yeah, really great to see the backwoods excitement. Number two, you and I talked about it landing in America for months and months and months and months. <laughs> Nearing on a year, go on. <laughs> and then it finally happened, yeah. and the nation supported the hell out of that release. Mm. And what was it, 48 hours? It went 276 bottles Something like in 48 that. Yeah. hours yeah. from Tuesday to Thursday. Yeah, that is correct. That is correct. Um, so so for those listeners who may feel as if they walked in on a conversation and aren't grasping the full context, Backwoods Distillery is out of Yakandanda. Uh, am I pronouncing that right, Jason? Yakandanda. 
You, you got yak and dander right. You got the distillery name wrong. I said backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and then you also added... Distilling company. <laughs> if only you had, Joshua. What did I say? you had... Backwards you distillery? You said backwards distillery. Okay, yep. there we go. So let me try that again. BDC. All right. You don't have to try anything again. You go, we're keeping all this in. It's all good. Just keep talking. Okay. You're good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, talk myself the... Good thing I grabbed this shovel to, to keep digging. Um, so out, out of Yakandanda, Australia, they're producers of, of both rye whiskey and single malt. And, and Lee... And gin. And, that's right, and gin. Um, Lee and Bree are the owners, husband and wife owners. And we had Lee on the podcast a couple of years back. And then both Lee and Bree just a few months back. And... and we're just honored. We're chuffed. We're excited that we selected a rye cask. It was three years in a recharred Shiraz cask, basically like a dechar rechar Shiraz cask. And what did we get? 285 bottles out of that? 276. 276. Oh, yeah. Two, yeah. Whatever the label says. Well, Two, 285. Like oh, there goes my dog. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a horse and buggy going past my front door right now. And so the dog must protect me and the dear listeners of One Nation Under Whiskey. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Protect yourselves from the Mennonites. You've got something beeping in the background. Yeah, I know. What's that? Someone setting a microwave? Yeah, no. One of my daughters is making, making a late lunch. Man, you can tell we're in the summer months. When we get into, you know, dogs and horse and buggies <laughs> and microwave late lunches, it's, you know, in the winter months, it's just you and me, closed doors, yeah. total pro level. Summer months, kids All right, say so, the darndest things. So let me back up before your dog interrupted, before my kids beeping interrupted. We bottled that three-year-old <laughs> cask of rye whiskey, sold out in two days, like you had said. And I did say. And yeah, just just absolutely chuffed. Really excited to get Australian rye, heritage rye, um, in the glasses of our of our dear single cast. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have we talked about James Saxons, who's who's one of the whiskey makers with Compass Box? Have we talked about his blog post where he talks about single cast nation cinematic universe? Have we talked about that on the podcast? I feel as if we may have, but it could just simply be that I read it and I feel as if we, right. we may have. Right? Yeah, we did, in fact, talk about that, right? Where it was, where our casks are, you know, there's almost an incestuous feel to them. Where, no, ooh, nope, nope, that's no. not the right word. No, 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 no. incestuous is the right <laughs> no, word, right? No, nope, not the right word. I feel like incestuous is. is not the thing we want to say about our cask policy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where, 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 we're, where we're taking casks that previously held one thing and finishing one of our other whiskeys with that cask, right? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Like a cinematic universe, yes. Yeah, it sounds it's, like incest. I would to call me. it self self referential rather than incestuous. I told you you had hair on your palms there. Little <laughs> little too much self reference. <laughs> please, please, they prefer they prefer the nomenclature self referential. <laughs> but but you, you, your point here is that we often find, or or James Saxon's point here, right? We often find life anew 
with casks that we'd been working with. So why don't you go ahead and expand on, on what you're talking about? Oh, well, I don't actually want to say too much about it. Right. I just wanted to tease that as we continue our relationship with Backwoods, this first release will be referred to again. Mm. This this first release will be part of the ongoing single cast nation cinematic universe. And so I just wanted those in the US who owned a bottle, purchased a bottle, those around the world listening to the story of this project, there will be other installments. So please continue to to pay close attention. You should change your Instagram handle to whiskey incest. I don't know why I would be the one changing it, <laughs> given the comments from Mr. Hatton previously. Um, <laughs> a terrible thing to say about our cast program. <laughs> so, so listen, I you know I know that uh, today's guest, uh, the good Ian McAllister from Glen Scotia, he's back with us. This is his second time on the podcast. You were out in Scotland. You were with Jess talking with Ian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what's not escaping me right now is the fact that, A, you caught COVID while you were in Scotland, and B, much like me, you, you've been on this journey of regaining your sense of smell and your sense of taste. Now, when it comes to alcohol, I, I've been testing left, right, and center various whiskeys is my palate back? And I feel as if my palate is back 100%. So I decided in celebration to pour myself a bit of the um, Virginia Distillery Company, uh, our VDC, the five-year-old from a sherry butt. Mm -hmm. And I Mm. thought that you were going to join me in that, but you're on your own journey when it comes to gaining your (laughs) sense of scent, (laughs) your sense of scent, and smell your sense of smell and taste back. Good gosh, it didn't work. Please, <laughs> please leave all of that in because I feel like in this episode the listeners are getting a real chance to see what I deal with on a on a regular basis here. So, yeah, actually, my selection here is inspired by by something you and I were saying before we hit the record buttons, which and, and again, this is something we've talked about on previous episodes of the podcast. And and I even remember it coming from a, a listener question in one of the mailbag episodes. But that question that has always circled around us in tasting moments, which is, how do you calibrate your palate? Mm. How do you know your palate is working? Mm-hmm. And in the before times... It was really just a question of okay, am, am I tasting what I normally taste here? Have yeah. I had something, you know, you know, in a menu item or, or something in my mouth that has kind of distracted from the calibration? Mm-hmm. But now here we are dealing with this loss of taste and smell from from COVID. I'm very excited to hear that you're a hundred percent back. I definitely am not. The progress that I've made in the last six days is coffee at least now smells like coffee. Wine at least smells and tastes like wine. Mm, okay. There's there's nothing subtle happening. I'm just getting broad strokes. 
Oh, so you've got wine-flavored wine and coffee-flavored coffee, but you're not finding those deeper, oh, a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of raspberry going on. Got it. Okay. Right, yeah. right. Yep. And so it, it, so that's a bit wild. However, six days ago, coffee didn't taste or smell like coffee. Wine didn't taste or smell like wine. Did it, it smell just, or taste uh, like anything in particular, or, no, or was it dead? No, like completely. No, nothing. it was empty space. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. wild, absolutely wild. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll tell you this: I was sitting uh, Saturday lunchtime. I was in my my brother and sister in law's house in air, and I was having some leftover chana masala Ooh. with coconut lemon rice. Oh yeah, you did. Mm. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. And I I warmed it up. And I brought it into the living room to, to sit on the couch and, and eat it. And my sister-in-law said, wow, I can really smell your lunch. And it, it, it was the first moment where I thought, oh, I can't. Oh, wow. And I actually brought the bowl up to my face, yep. stuck my nose in it, and there was just empty space and you had turmeric all over your face just wet turmeric (laughs) all over your face (laughs) the tip of my nose has been stained yellow ever since i did that but i just it it was almost like she was playing a trick on me wow where there was no aroma and she was busy telling me there was tons of aroma so that that was the moment actually where i thought oh i have lost my sense of taste and smell here um and so out of that, I started paying attention. That's when I realized, oh, I can't smell or taste coffee. I can't smell or taste wine. And so as the week's gone along, being able to actually say, mm. oh, it smells and tastes like coffee. It smells and tastes like wine. That, that's kind of a broad stroke. So for you, before we hit record, you had said you'd been using your Glenmorangie 10, your Glenmorangie yeah, traditional, original. original yeah. Your Glenmorangie original, and that's your palate resetter Mm -hmm. that's when you know where you reside and so instead of pouring our virginia distillery company which has again been wonderfully supported by the nation we filled a a butt of that which has been brilliant still about 100 bottles of that left it'll go back on sale in july but i pulled the great king street glasgow blend Mm -hmm. as as an opportunity to explore my palate and see where I am with it. So do you use the Glasgow's blend Great King Street as your like is that is that your go-to? Like, well, is my palate right? Is that is that your go-to? Like the Glen Morangie 10 year old is my go-to, or do you have a variety? I think, yeah. I think it has become my go-to because I drink it so often because it's such a comforting go-to for me and because during the pandemic I included it in so many tastings Mm -hmm. I know where the fruit lives I know where the subtle smoke lives at the strength of it it's not overwhelming the palate uh, I think as something you've been discussing with our Catoctin Creek, and we'll get to it again in today's interview, the balance, right? Yeah. The, yeah. You know, balance is such an important factor in that Catoctin Creek as it is over in this Glasgow blend. And so 
I do know where it lives. Yeah. And as I sit here nosing it, I haven't actually tasted it yet, but as I'm nosing it, it it <laughs> smells like I'm nosing with a little bit of a cold. It, it oh, okay. The nose is quite muted on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's not quite whiskey smelling whiskey, but the fruit doesn't have nuance. Yeah. The f- the fruit isn't, you know, is it mango or is it pineapple? Is it green apples or green... Gr- it's just a, a muted fruitiness yeah. okay. that I'm getting. <clears throat> yeah, that, that, that checks out. Yeah, for, for me, as I was working to get my, my sense of smell and my palate back, I was just getting straight alcohol. Like, nothing smelled... Whiskey was not smelling like whiskey. It just smelled mm. of alcohol. And and then it would be just sort of very general, like a bit of oak, a bit of vanilla, right? And and then not much after that. And but then but then and here was the other thing for me. I started getting my sense of smell back before I got my palate back. So there was a point where I was smelling my my Glenmo 10. And I said, oh, my gosh, I think I've got it back. That smells exactly how I remember. <laughs> and I go to taste it, and it is wildly different. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. tastes of alcohol and maybe a, a, a hint of fruit, but just like it's so interesting how the two did not come back in tandem. And and while you were chatting and I was listening <laughs> to you, I tasted it, and my mind has just been blown. And and I think you've, you've done a, a nice job of articulating Yeah. I just got more wood on the palate of that Glasgow blend than I ever oh, get on the palate. And it's been interesting because over the week I've noticed like bitter coming back mm. and bitter being quite pronounced. I'm getting an astringent woodiness from the palate of the Glasgow blend, a component I never get, no, never get. No, it's not an astringent, overly oaky whiskey. That. That is so very interesting. Prepare to fast forward. Prepare to fast forward. Fast forward. Fast forwarding, sir. I'm glad that you brought up Catoctin Creek. And I'm glad, listening listening back to the conversation with Ian McAllister, how he was talking about the Catoctin Creek. I'm going to hold my comments until after we hear from, from Ian. Because the... The things he said, when you have the distillery manager say such nice things about a whiskey that, that we fully believed in and knew it was going to present flavors that would take people off guard, but figured most people would understand it and get it and love it. When I heard him, I mean, granted, everybody we talked to has given us that validation like, Holy crap, is that a whiskey? You know what? I'm, I'm not going to hold on to my statements here. I was going to say, you're doing a fantastic job holding your comments. <laughs> and so, you know, the number of people that without me prompting them say, this is so balanced. There is so much going on here that in and of themselves wouldn't work well but all not necessarily work well, but 
But once you put them all together, I didn't expect the balance that came through on this whiskey. And I would always respond with, and, and this happened with Christopher Sebastian Seabass uh, a week or two ago on Instagram. And uh, he may not have mentioned balance, so I, you know, I, I may have brought that up. But my, my point to everyone when they bring up this whiskey is you, you must have a really sophisticated palate to be getting all of that. Like, you should be, there's so many people who come across and they say, well, I either like a whiskey or I don't like a whiskey. And even those people, right, where they're not, like you had said, you, you, like as you're going through this, getting your sense of smell and taste back and you're getting whiskey smelling whiskey or coffee smelling coffee, a lot of people say, I either like a whiskey or I don't like a whiskey. And yeah. when they say to me, wow, th- there's a lot going on here. There's a smokiness, there's a sweetness, there's a spiciness, and it's all like nothing's overtaken. And some of these people are people I know that say, I either like a whiskey or I don't like a whiskey. And I say to them, you have a more sophisticated palate than you know. Yeah. Right? Yep. And, and, that's, and that's been really great for us as the bottlers. And I think it's been great for people who've been opening the bottle and who've been enjoying it because it proves to them that their palate is much is much stronger than they think it is if they see all of those components and they see the balance within that whiskey. Yeah, and, and just, just for the record here, when Jess and I showed up at, at Ian's office, we were just doing what, what you do when you see a friend for the first time in years. You just, you just pour a dram. Yeah. Right. We'd we'd already poured off the record and there was no discussion, no understanding that Ian was going to discuss this once the mics were were turned on. Yeah. We were just sitting having a chat. And the fact that he brought it up quite early on in, in our recording was was a great honor you mentioned honor earlier in, in working with backwoods and bottling backwoods it was a great honor to listen to ian talk about his interpretation of the catoctin creek mm-hmm. and then we went on to talk about his stuff his bottlings his releases and for the purposes of this conversation we really we really weren't steering it in a particular direction I will tell our listeners this, and then we'll go over to the interview. <laughs> As we were sitting there, the three of us, mm-hmm. in Ian's office, and we're just dramming away and chatting away, and there's not a microphone in sight, there were a couple of times when I said to Ian, just, I hate to do it, Ian, but, but stop right there, because I want to ask you that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and after I did that a couple of times, maybe a third time, I said, should we maybe set up the recording equipment? <laughs> because just as the three of us sat there having yeah. a chat, yeah. yep. that was exactly what I wanted the interview to be. And then once we turned on the mics, we just had the exact chat we'd been sitting there having. Um, and so one of the things that I'm always most proud of with, with our podcast here are the number of readers who, the number of readers, the number of listeners who write in. I, I already had write in my head, so I was thinking people read writing. Um, the number of listeners who write in and say, 
I felt like a fly on the wall. Yeah. In this episode, yeah. you are definitely a fly on the wall of the distillery manager's office at Glen Scotia Distillery in Campbelltown on the Mull of Kintyre. So here we are today sitting with Ian McAllister, the bearded Ian McAllister, the handsomely bearded Ian McAllister, in the distillery manager's office here at Glen Scotia in Campbelltown. Thanks for joining us, Ian. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, pleasure to have you here. But in fact, I don't know when the last time you were here, and it's been too long. Far too long. Far too long. And I'm, we're also joined with our very dear Jess Lomas. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the listeners could see Jess blushing right now. That is fantastic. You're not often lost for words, no, but right now you, this feels a little awkward. Just, just not sure how to respond to that other than to sort of lean into the mic and whisper like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> to whoever's listening. I, I, honestly, Jess, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how it robs you of your, um, you know, normally normal conversation, normal life. Uh, especially with whiskey, it's pretty straightforward. But once you once you put a camera or, or a microphone in front of anyone, well, me in particular, it seems to be. No, I, I I've lost. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, everything I, I knew has disappeared <laughs> into the whiskey. My <laughs> mind's went a blank. Well, well, the trick for us on the podcast is the three of us are sitting here having a lovely conversation around this table. And I'm just thinking to myself, how can we get forty to 50,000 friends round about this table to hear this conversation along with us? And that's, that's all we're doing. We're just inviting them into the conversation. So no need to be nervous. We're all amongst friends. Absolutely. And, and that, that's what I just um, mentioned there. That this table... Um, Five ten minutes previously was was lovely. Well, it was clear. It was devoid of all all whiskey elements. Now it's a wash with bottles of lovely bottles of whiskey here. Not all Glen Scotia, I may add. There's there's a, a rather nice single cast nation bottle sitting here. Cheers, Jason. cheers. Oh, it's, it's an honour to pour it for you, and, and your very kind words about the Catoctin Creek and our friends at Catoctin Creek. Uh, and our friends at Kilhoman, who were kind yep. enough to help us uh, with a hoggy there as well. But just watching your face, tasting that, listening to your comments, really meant a ton to me, to the company, to the nation. So Top whiskey, um, honestly. And if, 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 I, I don't know what the release quantity is on it, but if you get a chance to try this, buy this whiskey. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Buy this whiskey. So, it's so super. We sold it via lottery. It wasn't oh, even a general right. release. It was via lottery. Ah. And and it sold out. You know, 182 bottles don't hang around very long in the nation, that, especially when it's this tasty. Well, absolutely. That, that, that's testament to yourself. I mean, <laughs> the quality is outstanding. It really is. It's a wonderful, wonderful drum. Well, now it's my turn to blush, so thank yeah. you ever so much. <laughs> Listen, we're not here to talk about us and, and Catoctin Creek, even though they are wonderful. We're sitting here, it's the Friday afternoon. You've put in a Campbelltown Malts week. How has it been for you? 
It's been uh, it's been tough. It's been um, <laughs> yeah. It's been uh, probably you know probably one of the toughest albums. I think it's just been uh, but in a nice way. I don't mean that in a, a, a bad way. Yeah. You know, it's been it's been full on. It's been. Um, Ach, no, honestly, it's been it's been great to see everybody back again. It's great to see the old faces, new faces. It's great to see everyone's uh, uh, engaged in whiskey and mm-hmm. and really desperate to come back to Campbelltown. But as I say, it's been so busy. So, so what did you do for folk this week? What was what was the Glen Scotia attraction aside from the handsomely bearded Ian McAllister? And <laughs> your two kinds. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, my time at blush now. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. So with Becky Paskin, so mm-hmm. with the, the whiskey experiment, uh, with Mr. Charles, I was working with Becky in that, and with Mr. Charles McLean, who was um, uh, helping me with the, the Dunnage Warehouse tastings, which was fantastic. Um, that was, you know, looking at different casks, looking at Glen Scotia, how it uh, predominantly bourbon or bourbon-esque cask, you know, how it reacted with these um, from a, a, a time frame of um, five years, seven months, up to six years, one month. Strength went from 59.2 to 60.8. So just try to understand all the dynamics of what's involved in that. So what what were you finding? One of the things we've talked about on the podcast is is whiskey maturation being non-linear. And, and sometimes you'll get pleasant surprises and sometimes you'll just have to be a wee bit more patient given the access you've got to what you're maturing here at Glen Scotia. What do, you, what do you see? What do you smell? What's your experience of maturation here at Glen Scotia? And how is that reflected in the tasting you were doing? I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, maturation for me, you know, it's... it's uh, well, obviously the viewers can't see behind uh, Jess here, but the, there's, there's new make spirit mm-hmm. sitting in a shelf in the wall. I mean, that new make spirit, I, I personally feel if you get the new make spirit right, you can do so much with that. You know, there's so much you can do. Um, maturation should always, and I think I've mentioned this before, maturation should always be complementary. Mm. It should always mm-hmm. add. Um, I mean, if you're if you're relying on um, maturation to really impart the, the the full essence of the distillery, then I think it's it's going to be. Yeah, I think it's going to be slightly difficult, you mm. know. So yeah, you, it's complementary part of the process. So you were very kind about our pour there, but you've also been very kind with your pours. And as we were talking Catoctin Creek Rye in a Colhoman Hoggy, you did what I think Jess and I and Joshua and, and many of our listeners do is I could see the wheels turning and you thought there's something you need to be tasting right now. And you went ahead and pulled out a Glen Scotia ostensibly in bourbon. Yes. But there's more to the story there. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that cask that you poured for us and, and, and kind of that surprise that you had? Yeah, absolutely. And and um, again, the viewers can't see that, but obviously I was mentioning the the full um, 
labelling of this bottle, <laughs> which is, is quite I was, clear. I was going to add here for, for, the, for the viewers, listeners, that you reached for the bottle to pick up to tell us the, the label, and none of you at home can see this. There is a label. <laughs> or it's an invisible ink. It could be an invisible ink label. It's a new innovation. That, that, absolutely. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah, as Jess says, there's nothing on the label. But when I when I tasted the Catoquin Creek, mm-hmm. you know, this um this Glen Scotia basically came to mind and this is a two thousand and five ostensibly a, a fuss filled bourbon. You mm-hmm. would you would you would say, Yep, absolutely fuss filled bourbon maturation. But I can always remember tasting it in the, the Dunnage warehouse and there was something special about it. And yeah, lo and behold it had that rye influence. Mm-hmm. Rye Place rye sinew running through it there, which gave it that slightly spicy uh, aspect, you know. So it was, yeah, yeah, it's a lot to understand, I think. <laughs> so it's one of the things Jess and I have been talking about this week as we've been driving around Scotland and, and having plenty of wonderful visits, is that sometimes Scotch single malt, when it meets rye, it can be a battered into submission. Yes, and yet here we've got that little bit of spice. And the comment that I'd made to you before we hit record was if you'd handed that to me and said, there's a first fill bourbon Glen Scotia. Yes. I would have said, oh, I, well, I, I, get, the, I get the bourbon influence there, the softness yeah. and all that. But then there's this spice. And I would have maybe attributed that to the spirit of Glen Scotia. Yes. And so when you're talking about this kind of complementary are you recognising your Glen Scotia spirit running through here, but then identifying that rye, that spice coming from the cask? Absolutely, absolutely, Jason. I think I think it's a it's a it's a and I, I, you know I, I'm no different than anyone else. It's uh, as it, it a journey. You know, you're you're trying to understand all the effects that these casks have on the spirit. I, Glen Scotia spirit is a, you know, it's a simple spirit, mm. classic double pot still distillation. It's the same spirit. It could be peated, or, you know, three different levels of peating, lightly, medium, or heavily peated. But it's just understanding how the different, and as I say, we use the word bourbon. We sent bourbon, bourbon. <laughs> yeah. What is bourbon? Yeah. You know, and it, for me, it's a journey I'm trying to really nail down and understand and, uh, getting to the bottom of because Glen Scotia works so well with bourbon mm-hmm. casks. <laughs> um, what type of bourbon really, you know, does it work really well with Maker's Mark? Does it work well with a a, a Jim Bean, a, you know, is it a level four char? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, is it is it is it a four hour toasting on a, a Jack Daniels or a, you know, a, a, a four minute heavily char? So there's different things to, um, to understand there and really what works with Glen Scotia. So yeah, it's it's a journey. It is a journey. <laughs> and definitely the kind of journey that the the nation like to ask questions. Something like the idea of just bourbon is definitely a you know, we've talked about um walking through a warehouse and seeing names appearing on casks. Um that's definitely and then at the end of the day it all just gets slapped under a bourbon label. So it's it does. it's really exciting to hear that it's not just us being like I wonder if this is all bourbon is maybe all from 
X distillery or is it just we've grabbed a handful <laughs> of bourbon casks that were ready to go and were selected so yeah that's I'm definitely intrigued with that as well it is you know I actually yesterday was obviously the, the Glen Scotia at, well I'm trying no it was actually Wednesday but yesterday the Coopers were still here I'm lost I'm <laughs> lost I don't know week. it's been a long week um, so the Coopers were still here yesterday from Loch Lomond mm. so mm-hmm. brilliant seen the guys took the opportunity obviously uh, ask him a few questions about different casks, you know, and and how they treat the casks, and you know whether they they're still predominantly uh, getting a lot of these casks, because obviously a lot of these bourbon casks will come from the US to Loch Lomond. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Coopers will assess them, and then they'll come to me. Mm-hmm. So it's quite good to understand whether they're still coming whole or whether they come loose. Or... I was just going to ask you that question. Do you have the answer? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Please. Continue. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, it's always it's always been, um, you know, it's, through the years it's changed, you know. So initially I always used to get them fully made, some wonderful casks. And I, in fairness, I prefer them like that. But I think it's a case of, you know, what you're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. So if sure. you're willing to pay top dollar, you're going to get the best casks. It's like anything in life, I guess. Um but the, the it changed, and I used to get loose cask, but now I'm back to whole cask, so I'm basically getting a container with, I don't know, 210 casks in it. Wow. You know, a lot of Jim Bean casks, which, again, really works well, you know, with the Glen Scotia New Make Spirit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. What do you think it is that, that works so well there? Is it is it a, a softness? Is it back to that complementary quality that you're talking about when you stick your nose into that empty cask before you put the Glen Scotia new make in it what are you getting from that empty cask that's got you excited for the maturation in it I te- well I tend to you know and as I say there's, there's some of these casks um, and it, it's got a lot to do with the peating level you know it could be a, a, a Jack Daniels or a Heaven Hill which tends to work slightly better with the the peated end of Glen Scotia. Interesting. But the Jim Beans uh, really work well with uh, the the non-peated. Yeah. A lot to do with the charn, a lot to do with the... the and again, for me, it's something I really need to nail down. I've got so much in the information, mm-hmm. but I've not got the full picture yet. <laughs> uh, I need to go there and find out, as we mentioned. Um, Excellent. Excuse for a trip, because every, every day is a school day, right? So you need yes. to you only learn it by going there. I, I like this. That's Absolutely, <laughs> Jess. Um, it's a suggestion I make regularly. I could only possibly understand show casks if I go to Hareth. That's it. A company trip, I. <laughs> that's it. Like, if you can all hear Joshua's eyes rolling as I'm saying this, <laughs> you can edit that in. <laughs> but no, as I say, it's 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 absolutely it's for me it's mind-boggling. As I say, you know the simplicity and you make spirit, but the dynamics and the variation in these casks is is you know, is is absolutely amazing. Sure. Maker's Mark's another one. Maker's Mark, incre- it was incredible with Glen Scotia. Wonderful. I never like to go begging, and, you, and you've been incredibly generous. For the listeners, you talk mm-hmm. about getting a work trip out of this, for the listeners, 
Could we taste a little bit of the Glen Scotia new make with you and, and have you talk us through that for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Would that yeah. be all right? You, yeah. you can pop your mic down. Yep, Josh, yep, yep. Josh will put in some Jeopardy music here. So thanks ever so much for this, Ian. I, I really a- appreciate you not letting my begging fall on, on <laughs> deaf ears here. That could, have been, that could have got awkward really quickly. Uh, very quickly. Yeah. Like, I'm really sorry, Jason. We don't pour Glen Scotia new make for anybody. It's not <laughs> no, no. even the listeners of One Nation Under Whiskey. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Pleasure. So, so please, if, if you would, could you talk us through what you're getting nose, palate, and then the components that you're looking to be complemented with these bourbon casks. Yeah. Um, I think this will be so, so illustrative. Well, it would. And as I say, it's just a pity you can't see my glass here because um, first thing I do is roll the glass. Mm -hmm. You know, just give the glass a little roll. Um, This is 63.5%. So this is cask filling strength for us. (laughs) Um, And it's lovely. It looks clean. It looks fresh. Um, it's it's got viscosity, you know. So mm-hmm. there's a lovely gloopy mm-hmm. nature to it, if you like. You know, mm-hmm. so it's got that lovely, slightly heavier um, aspect to it. There, you see the oils, Campbelltown oils. Got some nice beading in there for if, yes. for those of you who are playing along at home with the tasting notes game. <laughs> yes. Beading, take off beading on your beading. tasting card. Well, well and, said. And it's got this wonderfully heavy meniscus Aye. to the top of yeah. it as well. Yes, yes. You look at that. Look, that's unbelievable. Sorry for saying that. Look at that. It's a regular feature on this point. <laughs> look at the colour of this dram as I'm driving along, thinking, very helpful, guys. <laughs> oh, also for the listeners, I just got excited and I went to sniff the microphone and not the glass. <laughs> I haven't even had a full dram yet, so this is, is going to end well. Well done, Jess. Talking into the glass and sniffing the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you so basically you've as I say you've got lovely background oils there, okay. Um, if you nose it, and you might get it, you might not get it, but there is even at this stage there is subtle salinity, mm. which is quite interesting. Yeah, um, there's a linen aspect. Um, you really get a fruit there's a little bit of fruit in there that's where my nose goes to straight away but when you added in the salinity it really rounded out that fruit note yeah Mm -hmm. and your linen note is pro level yes yeah yeah we're in the company of a master i often get (laughs) i often get in new make um like specifically like boiled sweets that we would have had in the car as kids so um and here and a lot of new makes for me carry a rhubarb and custard kind of yes yes yes, and this this is it it is in this one but not maybe not as prevalent as some other new makes that i've smelled but it does i think it rewards you it is there it's a little bit softer at the back of the nose for me yes yes but it's lovely it's a lovely it it smells like a thick new make. It it does. It's Campbelltown, you know, and that's what you want with Campbelltown. Like Campbelltown you want funk. that. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Let's try it. Let's give it a wee yep. try. Okay. Slanger, guys. Mm. Slange. Slange indeed. Mm. That doesn't drink like sixty three and a half. Oh, no, no, it, it doesn't. Does not. That's 
real soft. It's real lovely, as I say, you get a lovely balance. You get the mouth coating oils, you get that salinity, you get fruit, that linen aspect. Yeah, it, it's it's obviously it's quite quite well balanced, but it's got the regionality. Mm -hmm. You need that robustness. Mm -hmm. Um I think you mentioned it, you funkiness. Well, you're gonna get more of that funkiness as it you know, it obviously builds up the relationship with the casks, you yeah. know, so it'll slightly change. You could be a little bit of smoky peat if that was a peaty new make in there, which would obviously add to the regionality. So to come back to what you said earlier that kind of prompted Jason to go begging was you talked about this kind of a delicate, a soft spirit from Glen Scotia and so when you're dealing with that new making you're thinking about these 210 bourbon casts that are coming in in the container on one hand I would imagine you're careful with this you're not going to overwhelm this however that cast that we tried earlier and we, and we talked about here I'm surprised the rye component did so well yes. with yeah. the Glen Scotia. And I feel like if, if someone had come into you and said, this cask has a good bit of rye influence in it, would you have been a bit nervous to put Glen Scotia in that? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, it's 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 a journey, you know, mm -hmm. and there's, there's no definite answer. You've really got to try it to find out. Mm. And I think when you do try it and you, you, you nail down the basics, and that's back to that old bourbon and bourbon, Mm -hmm. question again mm -hmm. you know I think when you do nail it and it could be the same with sherry you know it could be mm -hmm. the same with anything mm -hmm. really PX whatever Oloroso but I think when you um, you do understand what's going on you know the relationship and how that relationship pans out how it's matured where it's matured I guess the orientation of the casks you know everything like that I think when you you get a full understanding of something like that, then it, it, it puts you in a better a uh, better footing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to maybe predict what you're going to get at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. That's a big maybe. I wish That's... the listeners could see in your eyes there. You were being cautious with the word predict <laughs> there. I saw that. Sorry, yeah. Jess, I didn't mean to no, talk over you. Um, I was going to say that while you guys are talking, I just went back. So the new make, which is dangerously drinkable, mm -hmm. like that is great. You yep. could do a lot with that as well. You can make it. Well, you could make it into whiskey, but you could also, <laughs> uh, like, I I would drink that as like a highball. It's great. Um, I, I just wanted to see. I love when I'm given the opportunity to try a new make. So thank you very much. Mm, um, it's lovely pleasure. to then see if you've got something else that's further down the line of this maturation to see what uh, happens to that new make. Those characters that are obviously the bare bones of Glen Scotia see where that's gone so like I've just nipped back a dram to our um, lovely bourbon cask here and it's lovely to see those flavours and that even the still same texture because we often talk about texture Always. Um, is here yes. in the bourbon I'll let you decide whether or not it's got the same nose texture <laughs> to the... <laughs> and you're talking about the, the bourbon with the rye influence or are you talking about the, the just the, the, the nine year old yeah, nine -year -old. yeah the, the nine year old bourbon yeah. barrel which is delicious yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to exactly lead into that and so Ian with, with Jess bringing us to this point as you put this new make next to this nine year old first yes. fill bourbon, bourbon barrel but this this was a single cast for the festival dinner this week Yes, and, and we're privileged to be drinking this with you as well thank you yes. for that also could you talk a little bit 
you know, partly on what you're seeing in that nine-year bourbon, but that journey that you've been mentioning here, can you take us on that journey from yeah. this new make into this nine-year-old single cask? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's obviously, as I say, it's... And that, that's the secret, I think. It's understanding exactly what, what's going on, what the relationship is. Um, this one is a Jim Beam. Okay, oh, okay. Jim Beam on this one. So, um, so it's, it's obviously trying to understand how you know how it develops, and and the best way to do that, obviously, is to really keep an eye on it. So, I keep an eye on a lot of these casks. The Dunnage, the Dunnage area for anyone that's visited Glen Scotia has got a lot of the experimental stuff for its, its single casks where you're obviously just trying to understand the relationship between the wood and the, the spirit. Um, so yeah, I mean, as soon as it's filled, you're really on the case. You're, you're keeping an eye on it. You're assessing it and seeing how it mm -hmm. develops. Mm -hmm. As I say, because every cask I had in the festival, you know, it was five years, seven uh, seven months up to six years, one month. So, so there was a narrow window there, mm -hmm. five different casks. So just try to assess them and understand that transition from the spirit, mm -hmm. you make spirit, to whiskey. You know, and wh what influences that? You know, what relationship with particular American oak, Quercus Albert, you know, is... is is obviously, um, you know, is is obviously pushing the spirit on that journey. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it is quite a complex uh, affair. You know, there's a lot of chemical interaction there. You know, mm -hmm. um, additive and subtractive and oxidization and hydrolysis. And <laughs> if only it was simple as understanding the process in cask A as it is in cask B. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's 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 wonderful. It really is. But uh, that said, I think when you you do understand the relationship, you know, and exactly what's going on with these casks, and is this is this going to work over the long term? Mm -hmm. Then I think it really, you know, it, it, it's it's um, it's it starts to make sense. Just very quickly, from my own perspective here, when I was first nosing this nine-year-old single cask first Phil Bourbon, it was very buttery to me. Yes. And and that was kind of the pronounced note. Going from the Numic spirit into this nine-year bourbon cask, I've actually got more spice on it. I've, yeah. I've got more cask presence happening there than I did originally yeah. when, it, when it was very bourbon forward for me. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, we talk about this a lot where... All of this tasting is contextual. Yep. Right? I'm, I'm traveling with a, a very good friend, Bert, who's a, a very um, supportive listener as well. And, and he and I talk about this, this lack of objectivity. It's all subjective in the tasting of this. Yes. And I could, uh, you know, my question for you is, as you go from nosing in a warehouse, nosing and tasting in that warehouse, to then doing the same in this office, to then hosting a dinner and pouring it do you get different notes as you go along as the context changes absolutely and it's funny you mentioned that jason because the part of the the festival was uh, the whiskey experiment with becky paskin mm -hmm. go on uh, and that was uh, that 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 was an eye opener for me because she she was introducing you know it was just two whiskies there was a a, a double cask and there was a cask um 
cask finished cask strength whiskey I had a, a 2012 lightly peated from um, it was basically two years over two years in Fussville Oloroso mm. so um, she was basically looking uh, and she'd done it remarkably well she was looking at colour she was looking at shape and she was looking at sound what whiskey <laughs> yeah shape and sound oh shape no we've introduced sound. a new thing yeah. i thought nose yeah. nose texture was the end oh no yes so that, Go on. yeah i mean this this was unbelievable so potentially you could you know you look at yellow light how that and you know how that ah. gives a, a different dynamics a different influence in the the to the whiskey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you could look at shape so if you look at a, a through a star then it's obviously um, look at st- through a you know a star. Then it's obviously gives you that different um, slight spicy notes, slight um, you know slightly um, slightly more maybe you know what you're getting in the the rye whiskies and such mm-hmm, like. So mm-hmm, there's different mm-hmm. aspects like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas you obviously get a sound, so you could have sea in the rocks. Then you get more of that salinity. Hmm. I have so, I have heard of tastings like that with the principle of sound where. Um, all the participants get um, like a headset or AirPods or whatever you want. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then each dram is paired with music. I've and seen our boutique boys do this. Yeah, and I've seen uh, um, Ewan Henderson um, does the same thing. Oh, yeah. When he used yeah, to yeah, run yeah. his Scotch Broth events, he used to do the same thing. He was almost he was also famous for his party trick of making everybody wear um, like blindfolds, <laughs> which I think was really just for him to take a picture of a room of 120 <laughs> people all in blindfolds. blindfolds. That's a bit Doctor Who like that. But yeah, I love the idea of um, your brain actually is involved in much more of the sensory processing of whiskey than you, you think. For example, I've, I've done tastings where we've had um, glasses which are blue, so it blocks all sort of lights. So you can't, you know, we, as whiskey drinkers, we love having a rainbow of different coloured whiskies in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it, you know, everything's in a blue glass so that you, that part of your brain is, it's, it's not a distraction for you to yes. think about, oh, that's got a lovely, look at this dark sherry colour, which mm-hmm. we all do, even though we talk constantly <laughs> about how we shouldn't look at a bottle and be like, oh, it's a dark one. And yet... The three of us have done it with the Cotocton Creek. Ooh, look at the colour of that. So, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I know. It's really it is. fascinates me. It's very interesting. It is very, and I found it actually quite thought provoking. You know, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, and it is, as as Becky was asking, uh, you know, the the participants in the the experiment, you know, is say what what shape is what shape is yellow? You know, so, uh huh, uh huh. Oh, paging Mark Watt. Uh, that's exactly who I just thought about. Mark Watt. <laughs> Hi, Mark. <laughs> just sitting across the tune from us. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's quite it's, it's quite interesting. I tend to work more environmental. You know, I tend to work with um, influences like about me, about the town, about, mm-hmm. you know, maritime, um, oil, oiliness, you know, and the, the deck caulking deck pitch and things uh-huh. like that. I tend to uh-huh. work with things like that, mm-hmm. things that comes from memory and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind oh. of works for me. But yeah, it's an interesting subject. Granny's seaside attic is always a good one. That's Absolutely. <laughs> Take, Absolutely. It takes you back to being a child is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Absolutely. I, do, I think that's why a lot of tasting notes are very easily related to things you had as a child because that, that really early development of your olfactory memory mm-hmm. is so long-lasting. But also, uh, as, as a single cast nation, I really enjoy because 
uh, then it becomes very specific to where you grew up. So like there's lots of tasting notes that these guys will give me for specific confectionery or candies. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But similarly, <laughs> I can be talking about stuff that they're like, no, don't. what is this? And then we have the same candies with the same name that are entirely different, like... American Smarties are absolute garbage. Whereas I love the Smarties I grew up with. <laughs> well, it's got controversial already. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I will stand by that. Oh, I know um, you will. Uh, it reminds me of a, a story Dave Broom tells of doing a tasting in Japan where every time he's talking, the translator is putting it into Japanese for the gathered audience. And he's going along and he, he makes reference to clute dumpling. And the interpreter is talking Japanese, 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 and then says, clouty dumpling. And just keeps going with the Japanese after that. (laughs) It's one of those things where... There's no word to describe it. No one's got clouty dumpling. Dave's tasting in Japan. It's just been dropped and we've all moved on. (laughs) I thought that was cracking. Yon Scottish thing. Yon Scottish pudding cake and whatever. I think if you're going to have the the audacity to drop something like that in a tasting, you should at least be forced to bring said clouty dumpling to someone who's literally never heard of it right. before. So that they're right. like, I mean, your mind would run wild, especially when we consume things like haggis in Scotland. You could panic really badly and be like, clouty dumpling, what animal does that resemble? You know, I know. Because I, I think know. a clouty dumpling does look a little bit like a haggis. But before I sidetrack, it does. Got a touch of it about it. Aye. Suet and th- absolutely boiled in your granny's bed sheets or whatever. Aye, that's right, that's right. Remember it well. You take me back now, Jess. I'll tell you, my goodness, I feel my age. <laughs> Dave also talks about um, mizunara oak having a component that's Aye. like the incest that they burn in a in a Japanese temple, a, yes. a Buddhist temple. And I'm like, Dave, you haven't helped me <laughs> understand mizunara oak, but it, incense. All right. It, I do know incense, but I don't know the one that burns in the Buddhist the temple. temple. I, no, we've, you've just you've just reverse clouty dumplinged me. Uh, can, can I go on a trip to Japan uh, for a Buddhist <laughs> temple so I can understand this further? Right. I just write these all down. Right. Mizunara right. oak is so important. We all need to go to Japan we and do. experience Buddhist temples and you burning know, incense. You never I, know when it might come in handy. Well, that's it. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. And yet, known what I'm, well known what little I know about Mizunara oak. I know it's incredibly hard to work with so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I want too many and, of them and expensive expensive but but talk of Mizunara is a, is a perfect transition into the next thing I was going to ask you about and it's, it's fascinating listening to you talk about the journey and your new make spirit going on a journey in these bourbon casks and these sherry casks is there a cask that's surprised you for Glen Scotia is there something off the beaten path any version of a wine cask or, or anything you've seen in your time here that, that surprised you? I think, uh, Jason, you know, to be honest with you, um, the whole journey has been quite um, an eye-opener for me, really. You know, when you consider Glen Scotia, I mean, Glen Scotia at best, the, the spirit quality, tell the truth and shame the devil, the spirit quality, you know, when you go far enough back was quite variable. <laughs> so um, I thought and, you were really going to go off piece there, yeah, and well, you ended up at variable. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll we'll leave it at that. 
we'll leave it that because I to cancer right there because I do work here. So, um, so we'll come back in on Monday after your holiday. Absolutely, and we've identified him at the top of the show. It's not an insider scoop. So, so yeah, so yes, so I mean, I, there was there was there was certain aspects that really stood out to me. But what I like, uh, as I say about the younger stuff, back to this younger stuff again, mm -hmm. I love the way that. It is this, you know, one type of new make spirit, but it works so well in a number of different mm. factors, if you like, a number of different casks, a number of different situations. Could be sherry. It could be, you know, it's uh, works with sherry very well. You know, it could be second fill sherry, new make spirit into it. It could be the, we'll just call them bourbon. It could be mm -hmm, the different mm -hmm, bourbon mm -hmm, aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be that uh, Oloroso influence. It could be finishing, um, you know, in different casts. It could be red wine. It could be Bordeaux red wine. So the, there's there's a huge raft of casts who really really works well. But I think it's important also, and it's probably worth mentioning that Glen Scotia historically has got to really work with casks that really have a, a, a historical association with the town. Oh, so, okay. So what you mentioned, obviously, you know, we're talking about Mizanaro Oak and yeah. things like that. Things like that, I think, would be quite interesting, but would they tie in with what we're trying to do, you know, what the distillery is all about, really? Um, probably not so much. So, so the bourbon influence, mm -hmm. absolutely. Something mm -hmm. that would come in the 30s, 40s, more the 40s, really. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so there's a tradition at play, even though you're, I think, and we've spoken to you a fair few times, doing doing a wonderful job through these first, you know, couple of decades of the 21st century here, you're still tying this back to yep. the town and uh, the sense of place and the people. Yep. That's, that's really interesting. Yep, yep. I think, it's, I think it's something that you've, you know, you've really got to hold true, you know, and, and as part of the distillery. Uh, absolutely, you know the the spirit that we produce now uh, is slightly different than the spirit it was it was produced thirty forty years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but um, luckily enough, I actually have a and that that's a ten cl bottle. So I have roughly about a ten cl bottle of new make spirits from the nineteen from Lockhead Distillery nineteen twenty eight. Wow! Wow! Um, so this was analysed. It was done by not me, you know. It was done by people who know what they're talking about. You make people with mass spectrometers, uh, exactly. <laughs> Professors and people in white lab coats. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so they looked at it, and do you know the, the 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 well, what really blew me away with that was what we produce today is remarkably similar to what that new make spirit was like. Mm -hmm. It's lost a lot of volatility for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's slightly polished because it's it's that old. Mm -hmm. um, but it's remarkably similar to what we produce today. And that, for me, was mind-blowing. It really was that, hey, we're not that different. You know, things are remarkably similar. Mm -hmm. So hence why the casks and the, the sherry casks Campbelltown would have a huge influence with sherry casks, especially mm -hmm. Iberian Peninsula, red wine casks. Maybe not so much at certain periods in the nineteenth century, for sure. But um, the the ports, the ruby ports, mm -hmm. and the tawny ports, things like that. So yeah, it's it's just tying that down and make sure we keep that that 
all that um, regionality there. Mm-hmm. I, I like, we talk quite a lot about this idea of sense of place within whiskey. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a really def- difficult and I guess um, important balancing act for you when you're making decisions about casks and how, the direction of the distillery to have, to maintain a sense of, of place, with, uh, but not let that stop you from progressing and yes. feeling like if yep. come next year you want to do a whole release in Mizanara Oak, there's nothing really stopping you <laughs> no. from doing no. so. You're not tied to the idea of, oh, well, uh, Glen Scotia, we only use, for example, you know, red wine is our, our thing and that's all we will mature in. Um, we've talked a lot about that this week as we've been traveling around with various people yep. about the idea of like having the freedom to progress and something that we're not so good at in Scotland because we have so much tradition. Yes. But there's a, an idea that you don't want to stray too far from it. Whereas if you're, a, a, I guess what I would call a new world distillery, you've got a little bit more freedom. There's nothing to tie you. Yes. You know, if you want to take a sharp left turn and go on this mad trip uh, through cask exploration, you, you can. Um, and I, I think we're not as good at that here in Scotland. But I'd, I also, to play devil's advocate with myself, I don't think that's a bad thing. If you no. know what works with you, no. you should be proud enough to be like, no, this is, you know, stick to it and be like, yes, this is, it works for us in the direction we want to take. So really, I mean, my point has kind of cancelled itself out beautifully, but no, you, okay, you, you've got I, to listen I, to my voice for a minute. I, I totally get where you're coming from and that, that's exactly the way I look at it. You're, you're absolutely spot on. You've nailed it there. It is nice to have that, you know, that tradition, that regionality. But yeah, it would be nice to obviously do things that's maybe slightly out, you know, outside the the parameters, if you like. You know, you've got to, you know, and it's, um, yeah, it's wonderful. And then, you know, even even a lot of, you know, the the festival release we've uh, released for obviously the festival this week, mm-hmm. uh, which came out slightly before the festival, um, that that was an eight-year-old. That was actually the same. So what you're tasting there, mm-hmm. the 2013 first fill bourbon, that was a 2013, but it was heavily peated, 54.5, mm. seven and a half years uh, in the bourbon, and then a year's finishing in uh, the sherry, so a lot of oh, okay. sherry. Mm, okay. hey, sorry, PX sherry. PX. Excuse me. Okay. It's been a long PX. week. We it has very been forgiving. A... Our <laughs> listeners are very forgiving. <laughs> PX. Sherry, sherry. You're still <laughs> upright. I think that's hugely yeah. commendable. Uh, my, my voice is kind of, uh, my voice is quite husky. <laughs> Too much talking. Um, but yeah, I mean that 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 shows you what you can do. You know, even even with the same dynamics as Jess said there. You know, with the same dynamics, you can still put different twists and things, a little bit of peat, raise the peat, lower the peat, mm-hmm. slightly less, slightly longer than the, the sherry, you know, PX. So. Yeah. Well, well, and speaking of that history and, and speaking of that sense of place, we're finally seeing new distilleries being announced for Campbelltown. And, and it's so interesting to me because, as Joshua has said on the podcast previously, Spring, Springbank is experiencing a papification where if you just know a wee bit about scotch, you know Springbank is a slam dunk home run. That's the one people go get. Yes. And we keep saying to people, there are literally thousands more things you could be drinking. Yeah. I think that the the journey that you've taken Glen Scotia on, and I'm I'm being very honest with you, since you, you went... A touch off piste earlier. I'll I'll go a wee bit more off piste here. 
Back in the 90s when I was getting into whiskey, there were three distilleries I didn't touch. One was Scapa, one was Jura, and one was Glen Scotia. And I feel like since about 2008, we've really seen a change in Glen Scotia. And as I'm thinking about these new distilleries coming to Campbelltown, if that had happened in the 90s or the very early 2000s, I wonder if we may have seen Glen Scotia fade out, fade away. For you being in charge here and seeing what you're doing, what's the current state of Glen Scotia and how do you see the birth of these new distilleries coming to your town? Yeah, I mean, excellent point, Jason. It really is. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, Glen Scotia, I don't know how it survived because, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the, 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 the spirit quality was at best mm. variable mm -hmm. and that's, put, that's been kind. <laughs> that's been very kind. Uh, it was no fault of the distillery. It was no fault of the people that weren't in the mm -hmm. distillery. It was, it was um, the management team at that time. And it was the parameters that they were, they were obviously, um, they were looking at. Mm -hmm. So the Glen Scotia was probably, unfortunately, um, it was it was a situation. It was the, the basically the situation it was operating in. It's where it was at that time, which was which was sad. But the positive thing about Glen Scotia, it survived. You mm -hmm. know, it did keep going, mm -hmm. which is quite remarkable. Uh, and it, I don't know whether I mentioned this earlier or no, but if I knew uh, probably when I started at Glen Scotia. Um, coming into Glen Scotia, if you knew what was ahead of me, I would have said, nah, I'll not bother. Um, so, so it's wonderful to see it regain its confidence. That's well put. Mm -hmm. You know? Well put. It's back there. It feels like a confident brand in its packaging, where, and, and I know, and, and we may have brought this up the last time we spoke with you, but the the neon cows, the fluorescent cows, <laughs> felt like they were kind of finding their way as well. And and what's this new Glen Scotia going to look like? And the and the neon cows have come and gone. And and even as I look over your shoulder and I'm looking at your shelves in this office, there's there's confident branding going on. Yes. That speaks to a little bit more of the traditional, but in a modern way. And I think it's a really striking look. Absolutely. And you, you consider, you know, everything you can see here has only been here over the last, what, since, two, I'm going to think, 2014, really. Hmm. You know, that's really hmm. when everything, your double cask, your 15, uh, your Victoriana mm -hmm, mm -hmm. burst onto the scene. Mm -hmm. Then obviously later your 18 and your 25-year-olds. All these, all these uh, products didn't exist before that. So it's great to see... Uh, you know the distillery. You know, get to where it really should be. It should be. You know, so it was. It, it's wonderful. And yeah, I mean, Campbelltown. Campbelltown itself. You know, what a wonderful place. Springbank's been carrying that flag for so long. It's wonderful to yeah. see another distillery out of these thirty-six <laughs> distilleries that yeah. was here. Wonderful to see Glen Scotia back, back there, back at the back at the four. 
back at the coal face, you know, and <laughs> earning its living again. So. Well, well, one of the things Mark Watt said to us years ago was, <clears throat> was nobody drives through Campbelltown on their way to somewhere. You, you have to come here for a reason. Mm-hmm. And whether that's the distilleries or, or the up-and-coming bars, the, the hotels that are here, one of the things that's so striking is you get rewarded when you come to yeah. Campbelltown yeah. and you get welcomed. And, and from my conversations with some of these new incoming distilleries, that's something that they're very aware of. Yes. And they're going to do their part in welcoming people to the town along with these bigger, more established distilleries that are, are doing a wonderful job Absolutely. of that. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's something I've always been conscious of from the the early days of Glen Scotia because, uh, as I say, you know, when when visitors used to rock up at the gate there, you know, and there was maybe one or two of them, and, and these, <laughs> these guys would educate me about Glen Scotia, <laughs> bearing in mind. Um, but, you, you, you know, you wondered why they were here, you know, but it showed you the passion, mm-hmm. and it's that passion from visitors, people like yourself, Cheers. Jason and Jess, single, and Joshua, single cast nation. Cheers. It's people like you, it really drives these brands on, you really do. Um, it's, yeah, it's fantastic, it really is, and I think for, as you mentioned, the new distilleries, I think they're aware of, you know, how... I've not been to a lot of distilleries and I'm ashamed to say, but I, I, I think when you come to Campbelltown, you do get a, you know, you do get a welcome, you get mm-hmm. a, you know, you, you, you're taken in and you're, you're obviously spend time with you. And I think that's important. I think that's important in any distillery that, um, that you've got to be courteous. You've got mm-hmm. to be friendly because at the end of the day, um, the spirit quality and the, the, the drums are one thing, your reputation is another. Oh, no, so. well, well said, very well said. I, was, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think um, it's also a great way to create brand ambassadors, uh, not maybe not in the form of my role, but in you know <laughs> people that are, become passionate. And I think the the festival here, and obviously the one that uh, follows on Isla, shows these people who become so dedicated to the brands that they're willing to literally travel the face of the earth to go to a building where this liquid is produced, which is essentially what it is. And I often talk to people who don't, um, who, um, unbelievably, I do actually have some non-whiskey people in my life. (laughs) I I keep their numbers down though. (laughs) Limit limit them quietly. Didn't know Um, that previously. (laughs) I know, I'm so embarrassed. I'm converting them all one by one. Um, That you, like like you said, and and Mark's got it totally on the head, you know, I can't think of many things that I know of where people will travel the world to come to a funny bit on the west coast and the wet side of Scotland <laughs> and to spend time and sometimes the weather gods are kind to us and sometimes the weather gods are not so kind um, just to hang out and it creates this wonderful community that during lockdown has obviously been very virtual and I said when we first met it was, it's was it been amazing walking around the town meeting people that I haven't seen obviously because yeah. of COVID um, and people that we've bonded over Zooms and tastings and spent time with each other in a virtual format and now yeah. we're finally being afforded an opportunity to do it in person and what better place than to do it at a distillery or you know in a warehouse what like a hallowed ground that is to be in a tasting so whilst on a a practical level for us Mm -hmm. picking casks and trying samples in a warehouse (laughs) is not optimal conditions 
but what a place to go and drink. Like maybe this new make tastes a little bit better because I'm sat in the distillery manager's office tasting yeah, well, it. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. what a, a lovely collective experience. That's something I I talk about all the time. That whiskey is such a collective community experience. Um, and and getting to interact with people such as yourself is lovely. It just it adds value into what we're all doing in Campbelltown on a, a wet Friday, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They're well said, Jace. Absolutely, and that, it is. You know, and that that's what it's all about. You know, and and when you do break it down, when you do think on of you know exactly what they're doing you know the people are traveling halfway around the world to go to a, a 19th century <laughs> uh, building you know to see a production process that's yeah. quite remarkable yeah and i'm sure like i'm sure there are other um niche interests that i, I i'm not I don't, I, whiskey is very time consuming i don't have time for that um but you know like <laughs> um talking to ian allen this week about you know like lego and people um, <laughs> i have friends that are very into cars and they travel the world going to car shows and you know there are other people with the, the same idea of bringing people together i just think whiskey is the most fun one to do because then we get to crack open a bottle and sit like this we had a like you said a tidy table to start with and now we've it's... we've opened a few bottles and we've, <laughs> disheveled. we've got some drums, right and a, a disheveled it's a fine looking table for a disheveled table i like it's, it's good looking you know and I, to me that's that's really what this is all about and actually you know the whiskey is a great lubricant for conversation and you know we get to discuss oh let's see what this bourbon has done on our new make or what happens if we mix distilleries and we take their casks and put you know other people's liquid into it but all at the end of the day it's all about human connection which definitely lots of people have missed during lockdown so this is just lovely thank it you is. very much uh, well my pleasure as i say it's absolutely wonderful and uh, as you quite rightly say you know whiskey it's amazing stuff, isn't yeah, it? It, it is. does bring everyone together. It's it's more than just a more than just a drink. Yeah, it's everything, isn't it? It's the history. It's a it's a social aspect. It's it's you know it's just so many different factors. It's absolutely yeah unique. There's probably a reason why we're not sat around here with you know five different glasses of Vimto or Robinson's fruit squash or yes. a, a another non-alcoholic beverage. We're not sitting in a tire factory. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it's not really got the same appeal, you know. It's, no. it's it's funny though, isn't it? But I think it's worth mentioning too because you tend to find that everybody, you know, obviously the whiskey communities, there's, there's a lot of different tiers, isn't there? Mm -hmm. People come from mm -hmm. different levels of life, you know, and everyone's got their own issues and problems. But the amazing thing is with whiskey, it tends to unite everyone. It tends to bring everyone together and everyone tends to just have the same outlook, you know, and the same methodology, if you like. You know, it's quite, quite amazing, quite amazing. Well, certainly, on the, you know, growing up on the west coast of Scotland, I, I was raised never to talk religion or politics. Yes. And there's nothing like getting together with a range of people, as you rightly point out, mm. and talk whiskey. You don't have to bring up the politics. Yep. You don't have to bring up the religion. It doesn't matter who you are and what brought you to this spot. Mm -hmm. We can talk about what's in our glass. That's it. And that's refreshing in this day and age to it's have that opportunity. Certainly is, Jason. Absolutely. <laughs> it really is. It, we, we like to strip it back to basics, you know. And yeah. But yet, yet that can be so complex. Uh -huh. You know, it can be quite a complex discussion. Very technical, very scientific. Uh, absolutely. It's good to lose yourself in that detail and not the other details. Absolutely. Do, do you want to get us out of here with our traditional final question? Uh... Yes. 
you, you know our podcast inside out and back to front and well enough well I, I had like usually there's a, a number of things that by the time we get to the interview I'm like I need to mentally write this down <laughs> and I've, I've got lost in these uh, really lovely tra- I've just I've just finished the end of this bourbon that is a cracking drum really <laughs> delicious yeah like really absolutely delicious. brilliant um yeah, I'd, I'd, I'll also I'll end up waffling for another. <laughs> if anyone's having root canal surgery listening to this, they'll be mostly <laughs> mostly done by the time I finish with the question. Well, we, can, we can skip to the what's the most exciting, what's the exciting thing for the future? So I, yeah, I was going to say, um, I was in the ad show last night and we got to try um, the bottling of Glen Scotia, which is for them. Um, and I've had a, a series... Um, while well, I've been, you know, visiting them over a few years, and they're all kind of this this young age. One of the things I was going to say when we were talking about maturation, uh, one of the things I really enjoy about Glen Scotia is that you guys are not afraid of having kind of the the younger ish age, um, and it is prominently on the labels. You're not hiding. It's not a surprise sneak attack six year old whiskey or whatever. Actually, I, I wouldn't care if it was, but um, I have really enjoyed that a lot of these single casks that I've had recently. I think the one in the Glen Scotia, uh, the Glen Scotia in the Ardshill last night is also a nine, like the yep. Yep. festival yep. dinner. I really enjoyed it, and I, I was wondering if there was it also for those of us at home, it creates a great price point for buying these single casks that kind of sub, yeah. you know, yeah. well under 100, usually 60, 70, 80 pounds. So yep. that's a great bang for buck dram. Um, I was wondering, I was curious. If that's a sort of semi-deliberate that we're keeping it on a, a younger age, um, and I, if it is, it's a great boon to you because these whiskies are fantastic at a young age, and it makes me excited to try, you know, the treat yourself with the slightly older ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Jace. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I I think for me it's really just a case of you know I like um, whether it's right or wrong. I like uh, demonstrating conveying, showing, you know, what the distillery can do and what the uh, the distillery is capable of. I think that's mm. really, really important. Uh, and you mentioned Nard Shield. They, they've been fantastic. You know, I've known Flora and Marion for a long, long time and they're, uh, they've got a, a Glen Scotia single cask, you know, and they're so passionate about their, their single cask. Well, so passionate about whiskey in general, to be fair. It's uh, lovely people. But yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, it's just, you know, it's really just conveying and getting it out there. You know, it is quite young. Um, but I think it's really, you know, I think it really stands in its own. Yeah. Doesn't need any finishing. Just mm-hmm. it is what it is. And I think that's lovely that, that adds to, you know, we're in Campbelltown, we're drinking in a bar and, and they're picking a single cask from a distillery that's, you know, across the water. <laughs> it's lovely to be able to to extend that beyond the passion for the distillery, but, you know, keeping it, tying it in with local people who are also great ambassadors. They're fantastic in there. And I've had several of their single casks offerings that are, you know, for them, or they take part in the independent bars of Scotland single cask bottlings you know it's, it's great to be in a bar with local people who are so passionate and being able to champion uh you know something that's you can point almost from the bar to here yeah and yeah. again that all ties yeah. back into this sense of place and to me that is just so exciting so special to be able to you know do that scotland we're very lucky that we have that we're in a position mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's although we've got some great distilleries that are not far from where jason lives mm-hmm. you know it we're having a slightly different angle we're getting to yeah. tell the story of single cast nation but it is and which is something i love doing but it's it's lovely to also be somewhere with some other local champions 
So it's it's a real credit to what you guys are doing here, and then releasing it into the wild for us to drink. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, that's what it's all about. I say it really is, you know. And it, it wasn't that long ago where you, if you went out in Campbelltown, you would have there would be no Glen Scotia. Mm-hmm. Glen Scotia was mm-hmm. unobtainable. So it's fantastic to see it back, you know, back in the public psyche again. So long may it continue. Yeah, it's, it's exciting, and and with that in mind. You're a busy chap. We appreciate your time at the end of a busy week. Yeah. My pleasure. One more question to get us out of here is a question we ask a lot of industry friends, which is, what are you most excited about as you cast an eye forward? What's what's coming for Ian? What's coming for Glen Scotia? What's coming for Campbelltown? What's got you jumping out of bed in the morning? Well, quite simply, the Renaissance of Campbelltown. Mm. You're going to see more distilleries here. So I think it's absolutely going to be um, fascinating. It's taken a long time to get to this point, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing these other distilleries in Campbelltown. I think it's really going to make it a serious destination now. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Any any more any additions to the Glen Scotia line coming down the, the pipeline? Anything you're secretly working on behind the scenes? Get you off piste a little more? Aye, well, there's, uh, there's a few different ones. You know, we're looking at double cask, a different twist nut. Um, we're always looking at seasonal releases, you know, so they'll be quite interesting. Different finishes mm. again, sherry orientated, but different sherry we've never used before. So, yeah, that, there's, there's going to be a few few different things coming along the line so yeah it's good it's good <laughs> keeps us going keeps you got to keep going you got to keep going yeah, absolutely <laughs> uh, well enjoy your week off coming up next thank week. you um it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure and your hospitality is second to none so cheers to you my friend it's been brilliant seeing you thank you thank you thank you single class niece and thank you jason joshua and jace thank you very much thank you very Sincere thanks again to Ian for making time for myself and Jess at the end of what was a crazy week for him. Uh, he was he was on his way to a well-deserved week off um, after after recording with us. I'm I'm always amazed by him <laughs> and and his energy, his passion, his enthusiasm. And I think one thing that was clear through this conversation is not only how proud he is of his work and his team's work at Glen Scotia Distillery, but how proud he is of Campbelltown. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the way I was able to ask him that question about the this new wave of of Campbelltown distilleries yeah. that we just talked about on the last extra extra, extra, extra yeah. um, which was a ton of fun and, and such great response from the listeners uh, around that kind of slightly more loosey goosey uh, episode of extra extra. But, but for him, Ian McAllister to know that Glen Scotia is on firm footing and that they've got their distillate right They've got their maturation program right. Mm-hmm. They've got their livery right. I think I think there's I don't know if there was ever a weight on his shoulders 
per se, but you can see the way he sits tall. You can see the pride. You can see the honor that he takes. Yeah. And I think he is is very welcoming of these new Campbelltown distilleries. And it'll only give people more reason to drive by Kenna Craig and come on down into Campbelltown and see what the tune has to offer. Mm. So I I love the guy. I really do love the guy. And and Jess and I were absolutely treated to some some cracking drams and some cracking conversation. And I hope our listeners got that feeling of being a fly on the wall of just a very natural, normal, chitty chatty, as I like to say. I was so gutted to be forced to stay home. Um, you know, obviously there's a host of people that I wanted to see and I'm going to learn from my past mistakes. I'm not going to make a list of them, Jason, because I'm because <laughs> I always always fail and I and I and I forget people, but you know, this this was this was a meeting that I had set up with Ian and I had worked to get into our calendar and part of the reason I was so excited about it is I have this bottle of Glen Scotia that was bottled sometime in the 70s. Five-year-old liquid, 43.4% alcohol, whatever it is. And I remember, and I, I found it on auction. I got it for cheap too, like 40 pounds, some, some like ungodly <laughs> small amount. And I remember sharing a, a picture of the bottle with Ian and he wasn't particularly familiar with it. And so internally I said, you know what? When we go over there, I'm going to bring this and we're going to open it together. Mm. And, you know, not being able to see him because he is such, such a lovely dude. You know, that killed me. And not being able to open this and share it with him and have you and Jess and just all four of us drinking this, you know, historic bottling that even the distillery manager wasn't too familiar with. Yeah, I, I, I'm sad to have missed that opportunity, but next time. <laughs> but so, so speaking of Glen Scotia bottling, next though, year in Campbell. Next year in Campbell. That's what we say at the uh, the end of every Passover. Next year in Campbelltown. <laughs> um, I will tell you, however, um, I did just open up a bottle of Glen Scotia. It's a single cask for Drammers. Um, you know, speaking of One Nation Under Whiskey, our last episode was a live Drammers event. Mm, mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And I saw Charlie at a Connecticut Drammers event and he had two Glen Scotia single casks. One was an unpeated one and one was peated. And the one I opened was a, a peated, and you could see the color on this. It's good dark color. Ten years old, that's first fill bourbon. It looks like it could be a 35-year-old first fill bourbon. So good color coming from it. Mm, and uh, and listen to this. I love these tasting notes. Gentle peat smokiness and sweet pineapple notes that intermingle with sea salted caramel and oak vanilla. Oak vanilla, that's an interesting thing. An aroma of zesty orange peel and spiced apple mellows to reveal delicate toasted almond and warming cinnamon to finish. I would only disagree by saying it's a bit more heavy-handed with the peat than the label mm. likes to lead on. 
but it is such a well-composed single cask. And when I tasted it, I had to get a few bottles. And, and of course, Jason, you've you've got a bottle on on your way, or it's on its way to you. I'm really having a real tough time with the English language today, Jason. Summer months. It's the summer months, dude. It's the summer months. And the COVID brain. Let's not forget the COVID brain. This pour is in in honor of Ian McAllister and in honor of, of Charlie and the folks at Drammers for, for being the hosts of our 10-year anniversary. So, Indeed, I will lift my great King Street to them as well. Cheers. Cheers. Next question for you, Jason, is do we have any news that we would like to share with our listeners? And if the answer is yes, is there so much news that we have to wake the paper boy or is it only a smaller amount of news that maybe we can let sleeping jerks lie? Because he is a bit of a jerk. I mean, if we're being honest. Let's wake him up. All right. History, history, read all about there he is. He's pissed. Jason, you hear the tone in his voice? Read all about it. <laughs> Millionaire Playboy in trouble again. Extra, extra. It's funny. I was just poking the paper boy as well because I really don't Whoa. have much to oh, say. But oh, easy. I, easy, easy. Talk about incestuous. Whoa. This got real dark. Oh, I was thinking incense. No, that's, that's very different. Beat poets? Beat po- Beat kids. Beat kids. Beat kid- oh, beat kids. Oh, my gosh. Beat kids. Kids on the beat. Beat kids. <laughs> so good. Wonder Chosen was magnificent. Was so All great. listeners should search it out on the YouTubes. Wonder Chosen. Oh, Excellent. So beat kids. Kids on the beat. Beat kids. <laughs> so since we're here, just... Just one of the things you and I have talked about for a wee while was trying to get product on the website. Mm. We do have product on the website. Our shipper is on vacation. And so the products that are on the website, they they are still in stock. We do still have a little bit of Sheriff Muir, a little bit of Torridon, a little bit of Beanley. Uh, and like I said earlier in today's pad cost, a little bit, about 100 bottles. Uh, of the 600 plus that came from Sherry Butt 666. Um, we do have those. So that's one, two, three, four things in stock, but they will be shipping in July. And so the website front page says sold out. If you click through on any item, it says stock will return in July. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so that, that will be happening there. Um, the the good ride bottles, the collaboration we did for Tanks for Troops uh, with Kerry Hart and Big B, such a such a sweetheart so guy. I smile yeah. every time I think of Big B. Um, such a nice nice uh, big guy. I talk about looking up to somebody. When I stood there, I I looked up to to look at Big B's eyes, and at six two, I don't get that all the no, time. No, you don't. I think he's as tall as your brother. He's up there. He's a six sixer. He is a 6'6er. Gosh, just spent a week with my 6'6 brother. And what a brother he is. And he was very kind. He, he, and, uh, he and Nicola putting me up was so kind. And I, and I do deeply regret um, 
my sister-in-law contracting COVID while I was quarantining in her house. Uh, hashtag awkward. <laughs> but but Good Ride is available. It It is available for purchase. It will also ship in July. We just want to keep the momentum going there. Um, so if you want to help us meet that target for the charity, which is a big old target. Yeah, and it, just just to clarify, again, I feel as if I did this earlier with uh, with the Backwoods. For those of you that aren't familiar with this Good Ride bottling, so Good Ride is a charitable organization, like you had said, with Carrie Hart, who is Pink's husband. He's also a famous motocross guy. And Big B, his friend, who's also a, a rapper. And, and the idea is we wanted to bottle a cask of bourbon for them to help them raise $20,000 for their charity. This is Tanks for Troops, right? They supported our troops. We support our troops. We want to help them out. And so you're going to see a bottle on our website, and it's going to say $200 for that bottle. But please know more than 50% of that overall price is going to charity. Yes, it's a five-year-old bourbon. MGP bourbon, but the majority of that money is going to troops. It's going to help those in need who've helped our country. So if you want to help the troops, if you're interested in a really tasty whiskey to share with friends and loved ones, uh, please do check it out. Yeah, yeah, well said. And, and the label's cracking, the liquid's cracking, the cause is cracking, the cl- collaboration was cracking. I think we're all... Uh, we're all happy we did that. That was a, a fun kind of thing to do. I will give you another bit of news, is getting to spend that time in Scotland with our very own dear Jess gave us a chance to visit with our bottling hall mm. and try to talk through, you know, we've got some big bottlings that we've been working through this first half of the year, We've got bottlings that we've been looking at for the rest of the year. Things aren't always moving swiftly or smoothly, as we alluded to earlier today. We've you know we've been talking about the backwoods coming in from Australia for months and months and months. Um, but we've got American releases, we've got Canadian releases, mm-hmm. we've got the next rest of the world from Jess, and we actually tasted one of those casks. Uh, why we were uh, in a warehouse at our bottling Ooh, hall. All right. And Jess was very happy. This is her selection. <gasps> oh, her I know cast. which one you're talking about. No, you oh, don't. I don't. No, you I don't. don't. I know exact. I know which one you're thinking I about. I am the one Neil Patrick Harris was one. drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not. That's not in ROW four. So. Okay. Um, there's another Jess. This is what I love about our Jess is she's got some some secret projects uh, going oh, on God that yep. she's keeping an eye on, and um, and we actually tasted one of the casks with with the owner of the bottling hall, and um, and he loved it as well. Uh, he's a big fan of this distillery, oh, so that was a that was a lot of fun getting to see Jess up close getting excited mm-hmm. about her mm-hmm. cask and her projects she she does wonderful work as our our global sales manager and she and i were just having a meeting the other day where 
that job title doesn't even get close to the number of things she does. <laughs> um, but but I, I like saying it. I like throwing it around. Um, but knowing how passionate she is about whiskey mm-hmm. and how competent she is at, at overcoming post-Brexit legislature, mm-hmm. holy moly, it's a, it's a big ask. So... Well done, well done to our Jess, and, and within this news segment, there are a number of projects that we're trying to push over the finish line, and it is a difficult year, and it has been a difficult year, but we continue to push the water uphill. Do you remember, you've, oh, you don't like scary movies because you're a chicken shit. Um, have you- Interesting way of presenting it. I just feel like they they appeal to a lowest common denominator, like not particular deep thinker movie goer, but that's neither here nor there. Carry on. Wow, you you've just there are a number a number of people that have driven themselves off the road because they couldn't believe. I don't believe any of our listeners are fans they of. They couldn't movies. believe what plain old I just Jason. Don't think that's possible. Plain old run of the mill Jason had to say. Uh, so yeah. have you seen... Yeah, you, you don't get to call me chicken shit without an intellectual <laughs> throwdown. So let's be honest, you poked the bear on that one and you didn't and, like and what you, you got in return. You're, so. Well, you're and you're just lucky that I'm not an intellectual. So, um, <laughs> wait, did I just cut myself? the word you're there? looking for is incestuous. <laughs> it is incestuous. Hashtag whiskey incest, at whiskey incest. Um, so listen... I bring up this 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 horror film because I, w- I want to know: Have you seen the movie Poltergeist? Oh, way back in my youth, that that was formative in me avoiding horror movies oh, the rest of my life. Brilliant movie! I, I watch that movie at least twice per year because it remains excellent. Anyway, <laughs> there, but but I twice a but, year. That's remarkable. But I bring this up because of your point before where you you talk about all of these various projects that you try to get over the finish line but it seems as if every time we get to the finish line that that line moves up a little bit and it reminds me of the scene when the mom is trying to save her daughter Carol Ann from the big closet monster that's going to eat them you know, eat her Carol Ann and, and little Robbie her her son and as she's running down the hallway to the door, the hallway mm. stretches. Mm. And that's what all these projects feel like. Like, there's a finish line. Nope, it's stretching. It's getting farther away. So let me give you another movie reference right. then that I think captures the exact same metaphor. Human centipede. Is, do, you remember in, do you remember in Time Bandits? Yes. When the Time Bandits appear in the young boy's room. Yeah. And, and everyone's kind of freaking out and freaking out. And then the time bandits start pushing the wall. Mm-hmm. And then the wall starts stretching yes. back and back and back yeah. and back yeah. and keeps on going. And so I think that's pushing these casks uphill and they just keep going yeah. and going. And the hill never ends. So Never ends. You're just... But, this isn't really going to get us out of the news segment, but as I've been sitting here, and obviously we've been talking about Jess, Jess sent me a sample of the Adelphi Ardena Gherkin, which has been a, a UK release. What, Ardena Gherkin? And Ardena Gherkin. And it's been pitched as this kind of pungent, 
pickly, briny release. And and Jess and I joked, and and no offense to our our friends at Adelphi here, but but Jess and I joked that it's called Ardna Gherkin because you couldn't really get away with calling it Ardna Cow Shit because when you stick your nose in it, it's all cow shed, cow buyer, cow shit. The the gherkin component. And and the reason I bring this up on the podcast... And this may or, this may or may not appear in the final edit, <laughs> but the reason I keep this in the that I bring this up in the podcast is I just opened the cap on the sample okay. just to give it a nose, yep. and boy does that smell exactly like it did when I first uh, nosed it two oh, weeks there ago. You go. <laughs> Making progress, Jason. <laughs> Holy mac! And here's the thing: it smells like a warm rock fork. That Ooh. has been out on a on a kitchen table all afternoon on a warm summer's day. I want to drink all of that. I love all those off notes. Oh my gosh, Jason! No, you they, see that's the kind of whiskey. And here's the thing: that's this so interesting, though, right? Because it seems so far out of Arden Merkin's profile, but that's the kind yeah. of whiskey that you you need a bottle. You may need two of them because you're going to invite friends over and it's one of those ones where you're like, you have to try this. Like it or love it. I like it or love it. <laughs> See, I can't do the English language. Love it or hate it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a conversation piece. So now I, need, now I need a bottle of it. Well, and that's exactly what Jess and Sweet Scott have been doing with their bottle of yeah. it is they've been pouring it for people and saying like, oh, you you won't believe what this is doing. This is wild. And the nose of it actually reminds me of the the sample bottles that you and I used to share with friends and and a certain Oliver Chilton <laughs> that was the Westland Tabasco yeah, cask. Yeah, the Inferno. When that had that, that big blue cheese mm-hmm, note, mm-hmm. like a warm blue cheese yeah, note. Yeah. And... Just a big pungency where you go, I don't think I can drink this. And then you go, oh, I got to taste it. And they go, oh, I wish I hadn't drunk that. I wish I hadn't even smelled it. That's what else the, the Ardna Gherkin puts me in mind of. And so, so please, please don't take, please don't take Ardna cow shit um, as, as me running this into the ground. I think this does exactly what it says on the tin. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's big. It's, obnoxious it's difficult it's pronounced oh, awesome oh my gosh we might say nefarious Ooh, nefar- finally finally a use for the word nefarious <laughs> <laughs> so there you go yeah go go have a look out for a, a delphi arden agarkin grab a bottle pour it for friends it's it's wacky and wild completely yeah. out the arden yeah. profile yeah. as you rightly say it was also matured in i believe an ex-bourbon at cask from the Glen Murray Distillery. Oh, interesting. And so neither of those two components should have turned into Ardna Gherkin or Ardna Kausha. Do you think Connell just maybe dropped a couple pickles in the cask or something? She's like, she's walking around what, the, the warehouse. What Connell, what Connell does after hours <laughs> is Connell's own business. Um, listen, if, if we're done with news... I wanted to bring up an email that we received, 
And actually, yeah, go for it. And actually, this is this is the second email from uh, from a one uh, Malcolm Geffen, uh, not to be confused with Geffen Records, because his, his last name is spelled differently than uh, Stephen Geffen mm. or or whomever it was. Mm. The email said, and actually, he he sent this email a, a second time, just like the Frenchman from the the, the Holy Grail. It's like I shall taunt you a second time. So he sent another uh, email. He says, <clears throat> "Sounded more like Inspector Clouseau from the Pink Panther." Movie. Is he or is he not French? Inspector Clouseau, yeah, played by Peter Sellers with a terrible French accent. I feel like I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, any and all French people. So, so, so Mal. He goes. I don't know if he goes by Mal or by Malcolm, but in one point he said Mal. Oh. So, so. Anyway, we'll call him Mal. He says... Is he a malcontent? Oh, he's a Mal Geffen. Hmm? What's the opposite of Mal? That's bad. Mal means bad. What does good mean in your Latin prefixes? <laughs> I'm not getting answers from him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. That's a good question. Good question. Yeah. I, bet, I bet I know the answer without knowing the answer. You know what? I, I bet you do. I bet you do. So anyway, it's like all those people having sophisticated palettes who like the Catoctin Creek, who don't think they've got sophisticated palettes. There you go. And you know what? You do. Pour a glass. Enjoy it because it's damn good. So rely on your palate. You're smart. You've got this. Enjoy it. <laughs> you talking to me? You talking to the listeners? To everybody. So Mal <laughs> says, not sure if you got my first email I sent. So I'm tweaking the email address and sending it a second time oh that's why so the first time he sent it it was malcolm and the second time he sent it it was mal so so there you go so it was like just in case you didn't get my email got it so he says he didn't tweak the questions at one nation under whiskey.com address i don't know so he says i've been (laughs) (laughs) that would make much more sense (laughs) i've been a traditional scotch and bourbon drinker Recently, I got into cocktails and need to learn a lot. Not too long ago, I was listening to your quote-unquote podcast, uh, maybe more than oh. one, where you guys, including Elijah, were talking about mezcal. At the time, I listened with a faint heart. Now, mm. yeah, right? He says, now, though, my mm. cocktail journey has taken me to mezcal. Can you provide mm-hmm. me with the episodes where you discussed it and maybe give me the proper spellings uh, of the same. So the, the good news is we can, we can find him that episode. So he continues with a suggestion. And it goes on. It says, I wrote down Jason's riff on a Negroni, which leads me to an idea for you to consider. Periodically, provide the listeners with a cocktail recipe that either of you enjoy so that we can try it. It would give us a new way to expand our whiskey palettes while we would have fun trying them out. Cheers. So, I did a little bit of homework. I wouldn't even call it homework. I, there's a cocktail that I have been enjoying that I wanted to share with Mal and with our listeners. Nice. Uh, but, but I did do a little bit of homework on his question regarding the mezcal. And if you go, Mal, if you go to, um, if you go to our website, onenationunderwhiskey.com, and you just, you know, in the navigation, you go to season five. On Cinco de Mayo, on May 5th, 
that's our episode with Elijah and with Dra- and with Jess, and we're tasting these mezcals blindly. And you can actually, while we didn't list them out, you can look at the picture and you should be able to see all of the, the names of the mezcals on there. And uh, yeah. 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 Episode episode six. Yeah. Season five, episode season six. Five. Yeah, there you go. And so... We'll get you where you're going. I have a cocktail that I learned in May... And now I can't stop making it. Okay. No, let me change that. I won't stop making it. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> because it's delicious. And so hear me out. You ready? Now, some people, when I say this, they're going to say, ah, you know, either A, they'll say, that's not a real cocktail. And then I'm going to go into my explanation as to why it is and why your understanding oh. of it is not necessarily So are you accurate. saying... You've created this? No, 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 no. no. Or no, you found I this found somewhere. this. I found this. Okay. And, then, okay. and then some of you who know it may say, you know what? That is a good cocktail. It may be too common to some people's palate or their experience with cocktails. But for me as someone who's, and like yourself, who's just tr- trying out new stuff to see where your palate goes, see where cocktails go... It was a revelationist doing all the things that I wanted to do. So, hmm. this is a rum cocktail. Mm-hmm. And it is called a daiquiri. <laughs> okay. Now, some people, as soon as I say daiquiri, they're like, is it a strawberry daiquiri? Is it a pineapple daiquiri? <laughs> is it that pineapple coconut thing? No, that's a pina colada. It's none of those. <laughs> So there's a cocktail that's just called a daiquiri. It's a classic daiquiri. Do you know about this cocktail, Jason? Mm-hmm. Yep. Dave Broom talks about it in his rum book, Ugh. where he's sampling tons and tons of rums. Daiquiri is one of the applications. It is phenomenal. So, so <laughs> I use. So I'll, I'll I'll tell you what it is. I personally use um, black tot, uh, finest Caribbean, uh, in part because that's yep. right. That's Got you have a bottle? Uh, not only do I have it sitting next to me, I got my brother and his wife a bottle as a thank oh, you for having me for the week. Look at that. Look at that. What a guy. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. So it's really... I got him another rum as well, but it's a rum liqueur, and we're not yeah. going to talk about it on One Nation oh, Under Whiskey. No, so a daiquiri, a classic daiquiri, is really easy. Load your cocktail shaker up with ice. Put two ounces of your favorite rum in there. Preferably a darker rum, one with one that has a bit more oak influence in it, and preferably mm-hmm. a dry rum, not a sugared rum, not something where they've added them in. This is one of the reasons I use black tides. It's a natural rum. They're very transparent about how they make it. But I would suggest there are plenty of other brands out there. If you have favorites, go ahead and use that. So it's two ounces of, of the rum, one ounce of lime juice. And then three quarters ounce, either simple syrup or just a really good sugar. Don't use your diamond white sugar. Like use a good natural sugar and shake the living hell out of it. Pour it in your glass. Would, yeah. Would agave or maple syrup work in this application? I would argue that maple syrup is going to do things 
that is going to take you out of the flavor profile of a daiquiri, but I would also argue that that would be a lot of fun to try. So, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, if you remember back to me talking about the Toronto in one of the episodes, that little quarter-ounce maple syrup Mm. really... Mm. Yeah. Elevated. Yeah, it. I'm gonna. So I think it's. I think it's worth experimenting. I, I think it, you know, without a doubt, right? Uh, I'll give it a go. I've been using just just a good simple syrup, a, a house made simple syrup, which is just a fifty fifty of of water and sugar. You boil it up, put it in a bottle, chill it. Um, so again, two ounces rum, one ounce of of good lime juice, and about three quarters an ounce of simple syrup. Shake it up with the ice pour it into a glass, even a martini glass would work. And you would think an ounce of lime is going to blow your head off, but it doesn't because the oak forward, that vanilla forward rum helps to balance out that sharp tartness of the lime. So you end up just getting this, at least the one I do, I could taste all of the components without one overwhelming the other, right? Back to our Catoctin Creek whiskey where everything is just balanced beautifully. Mm -hmm. That's what this is doing. And it is so bright and so refreshing and so stupid easy. And even for my wife, who doesn't really like rum, she's like, this is an excellent cocktail. So there you go. I'm telling you, anytime you get to throw an ounce of lime juice into a cocktail you've got my attention right that's that's what i love about the gringroni is it's that ounce of lime oh love the brightness of lime mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, yeah that daiquiri sounds tasty yeah it's it's really it's it's really good i'd i'd give it a go again some people you know when you hear daiquiri you think of that frozen strawberry yeah. mix with a bit of yeah. rum or yeah. you know yeah no 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 this this is misleading. you get a good rum with good lime juice, good sugar, good simple syrup, and it is a game changer, right? It's kind of like I see some people will do bourbon cocktails, and they'll put Blanton's in there or Elmer T. Lee, or sometimes they'll go even beyond that, and people say, why are you using such a great bourbon for your cocktail? The better the ingredients, the better the cocktail. It's your it's yeah. your bottle, you imagine- right? Can you imagine asking a chef, like, why are you using the best ingredients in that meal? Right. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> Think, you of <laughs> Think of the expense. Think of the Use cheaper ingredients when you produce food dishes. What are you thinking? Yeah, get the good stuff used. Yeah. Yeah. God, living in a crazy time of inflation, use the best stuff you can afford. There you go. There you go. Uh, so, so that is my cocktail suggestion. And so, Jason, you don't need to do one today because I didn't task you with this. But, but yeah. I, I really like Mal's suggestion of, of creating that cocktail or figuring out a cocktail to share with people. You did it with your Toronto. You did it with your Gringroni. I did it now with my daiquiri. Um, I've got a few other go-tos, so let's, let's incorporate it every now and again. Yeah, Mal is not the the first person to suggest that we should be doing this. And so, yeah, I think there'll be some fun to be had along the way, periodically bringing up. Cool. Cool.
Jason, listeners, this brings us basically to the close of our of our podcast. However, <laughs> there's something incredibly important I want to bring up and and someone's name I want to share as well. So we've been asking all of our listeners to go to Apple Podcasts and give us a good review, five-star review if you will. And if you please and thank please you. Please and thank you. And if you make a comment, we will read it on the podcast. And here we are. And so we have a new one that I wanted to read. And this one came from Aramon5674, which 5670, it sounds like a Hebrew year, mm-hmm. but here we are in the year 5770-something, so are we, what, what year are we in? What sort of Jewish year are we in? <laughs> anyway. I was kind of relying on you on that one, so. Oh, sure, let's, look let's, at you, let's... rely on the Jewish guy. Look at that. <laughs> Jewish. We are in 5782. So there's a good chance that Araman, who was born in 5674, who is 92 years old, uh, wrote in, you know what, that 5674 could be anything. Anyway, uh, (laughs) this person wrote in. It's not a zip code. We know that much. And the title is Awesome and Organic. And uh, an Araman, not to be confused with Saruman, two very different people, writes and says... Or, or Faramir. Or Boromir. Or Gimli. Why did I just run out of fucking... I ran out, I ran out, I ran out of dwarves. I ran out of... <laughs> or Legolas. <laughs> or Galadriel. Anyway, uh, so, so Araman said... Oh, my gosh. So was the Galadriel with you. <laughs> so, Araman5674 says, want, want to learn about whiskey? Want to hear some great jokes? Want to feel like you're... Easy. Pump the brakes on that one. Pump no, the brakes. Jason, my jokes are fantastic. In your... In your- Mind, they are the best around, Re- and that's really. Qu- I don't know why this reminded me of this. <laughs> really quickly, did you hear that the the CEO of IKEA was just voted in as the prime minister of um, Sweden? Okay, he's building his cabinet now. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> see, great jokes, right? Anyway, this is me humoring you. <laughs> and I just humored you with a joke. I've got gave you humor. Anyway, want to learn a lot about whiskey, want to hear some great jokes, want to feel like you're just hanging out with some friends? This podcast has it all. The hosts and their guests have a ton of information about whiskey and the industry. I learn a cool new fact or 10 each episode. Whoa. I love that. Well, They also somehow make everything seem so organic. Interviews feel like conversations instead of scripted. And when they're just chatting amongst themselves, it still feels fun and fluid, like you're hanging out with some old friends. How nice is that? Yeah, not not to give away too much, but the reason it sounds unscripted is that we have no script. Like that's, and the fact that you and I sound seemingly organic is once again, we have no script. We are just absolutely making shit up as we go along at all points. So I'm looking at my papers here. You just talked over my line. 
<laughs> so <laughs> from the top, no, from the top. Listen, you know, Aramon 5674 and Jason and our listeners, I will tell you this. So many people come up to me when I'm traveling around, I'm doing a tasting and they pull me to the side and they say, do they say, sir? Do they have a tear in their eye and they say, sir? They say, sir, the number of compliments I receive regarding the podcast as I go around or as I'm on uh, Zoom events or what have you is astounding. And my, my, my reply is always the same. This is the most fun that I have. This is where, like, it used to be, like, when it comes to whiskey, right? It used to be before we owned a business, before whiskey paid the bills, we were just having fun, organic whiskey conversations. And now things have changed a little bit because now we rely on the whiskey to pay the bills. And you have to have sort of a salesperson's hat on sometimes when you're talking about whiskey uh, or leading a tasting or what have you. But when we can just step back and have a conversation with a producer, with a brand owner, with a blender, with a distillery manager, or just between ourselves, we're having the whiskey conversations that we were having before all of this nonsense happened, right? It was just, it's back to that fun that got me excited about whiskey from the get-go. And so, yeah, this is, when it comes to whiskey, this is the most fun that I have, uh, is just sitting down and talking with you and talking to our guests. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I, I know that as I'm sitting there, I'm, and I've said this before, I, I'm cognizant of the listeners that we're representing. Mm. And we have a nerdy listenership. We have a geeky listenership. They want to hear some some subtle ins and outs, whether it's the global supply chain or it's cask maturation or it's distillation or it's yeast, right? These are all the things they want to hear about. And so I'm, I'm always aware of where we're taking a conversation. Obviously, at the same time, we're having fun. We're making dumb jokes. We're quite happily telling Ian McAllister just how handsome he is. And he is strikingly he is handsome. remarkably handsome. Remarkably it, handsome. I told yeah. him, Captain Birdseye has got nothing on him. He looks like Ray Fiennes to me. Hmm. He's just this stunningly handsome dude. Like... Like, what the hell? A, you're super nice. B, you turn this distillery around that's had this sort of, this history, checkered. This, this checkered, checkered history. history. Yeah, there you go. This, that's better. You have this distillery that's had a bit of a checkered history. You turn it around and you're disturbingly gorgeous. Like, you're oppressively good looking. Disturbingly? Yes, it's almost disturbing how good looking he is. Right? I mean, come on. <laughs> and you're nefariously good looking. Huh? <laughs> to quote Joshua Hatton. <laughs> anyway, uh, listen. All right. Let, yeah, let's let's wrap it up. We're, we're falling into the, the usual man love trap that we, that we invariably Oof, fall into. Man love trap, volume six. One of my favorite in the whole series. <laughs> but <laughs> so now you know why I was delayed a week in Scotland. <laughs> uh, 
Thank you again, Jason, to for for going out there and 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 wearing the single cast nation hat, talking with 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 so many of our industry friends out there and recording this conversation between you, Ian, and Jess. It was just it was remarkable. Thanks, of course, to to Ian McAllister, um, and and to Jess, of course, and as always, to our listeners and to Aramon fifty six seventy four, our ninety two year old. Uh, whiskey podcast listener. Yeah, that's rocking. The fact that people listen, recommend, the fact that Lee Atwood at Backwoods is listening to us back in the day while making some of his early whiskey. It's crazy. Yeah, Absolutely crazy. There's a whole world out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. So cheers to all of them and cheers to you, Joshua. Uh, always appreciate the, the edits that you make in post to keep this... Uh, a nice tight 35 minutes. Oh, wrong episode. Wrong episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> two chins. Oh, we're, we're, yeah, two chins. Oh, gosh, so I got this. Did. You All right, I got this. And uh, oh, gosh, I'm not sure I've got much else. So fingers All crossed. Right. Two chins and cheers and peace. Peace. <laughs>